committee will come to order. This is the third in a series of public hearings the committee will be holding as part of the House of Representatives impeachment inquiry. So public hearings in the impeachment process resumed today, and it was all about the phone call that started the impeachment inquiry in the first place, this phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky on July 25th. I'm Shane Harris. I cover national security and intelligence for The Post, and these days I cover the impeachment hearings. So, Shane, the morning testimony has now wrapped up. Who did we hear from this morning? So this morning we heard from Alexander Vindman, who uh, handles Ukraine on the National Security Council. On July 25th, 2019, the call occurred. I listened in on the call in the Situation Room with White House colleagues. And Jennifer Williams, who was an aide to Vice President Pence. On July 25th, along with several of my colleagues, I listened to a call between President Trump and President Zelensky. So here we had two firsthand witnesses to what was said who then shared their reactions to the exchange between the two presidents. And what were their reactions? Well, both of them thought that it was either inappropriate or certainly unusual. During my closed-door deposition, members of the committee asked about my personal views and whether I had any concerns about the July 25th call. As I testified then, I found the July 25th phone call unusual because in contrast to other presidential calls I had observed, it involved discussion of what appeared to be a domestic political matter. I think that Vindman's reaction was a lot stronger. Uh, He said, what I heard was inappropriate. Those were his words. I was concerned by the call. What I heard was inappropriate. It is improper for the President of the United States to demand a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen and a political opponent. Vindman perhaps going a little bit stronger than Williams, but Williams by no means saying this was perfectly normal uh, and was not concerning. And Vindman said that he was concerned that if this military aid to Ukraine became a political issue, that it wouldn't get bipartisan support from the U.S. and that it might not be provided to Ukraine in the future. It was also clear that if Ukraine pursued an investigation into the 2016 elections, the Bidens and Burisma, it would be interpreted as a partisan play, undoubtedly result in Ukraine losing bipartisan support, undermining U.S. national security, and advancing Russia's strategic objectives in the region. That's right. I mean, he very much believes in the policy, which is a bipartisan policy officially supported by the Trump administration, that it's necessary to provide military aid to Ukraine in their efforts to deter Russian aggression, and that by making this contingent on political investigations would send that message to Ukraine that we weren't behind them, that we weren't supportive. Uh, and, you know, members spent a lot of time trying to, you know, get to the, to the root of this as saying that this is somebody in Vindman, who has, you know, his whole portfolio is Ukraine. He speaks Ukrainian. He has a Ukrainian background. He gets this policy a lot. And I think they were trying to use him as saying, look, when the people who are on the front lines of implementing this policy raise the red flag and say, but what the president is doing jeopardizes that policy, that people should take that seriously. So a lot of what we heard from their testimony today, we had had a pretty good indication of before from their initial depositions on Capitol Hill. But one small issue that was brought up that I think was new to a lot of people was this issue of the rough transcript of that call and whether that rough transcript is actually an accurate transcript. Right. This is very interesting. 
Because Vindman is asked about whether or not what he is reading in that uh, that that memcon or that telcon telephone conversation memo is, as he recalls it, what was said word for word between the two presidents. And he says, no, there are some omissions. The most notable one being that as Vindman recalls it, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, specifically used the word Burisma, which is the company, of course, that Joe Biden's son had a board position on and that Donald Trump wanted an investigation of. Now, he says that the word Burisma was used. The word Burisma, of course, doesn't appear in the version of the, the memo that the White House releases. I think it's a reference to that company or the company. It's more generic. And for the record, Williams also said that she heard the, the word Burisma during that phone call as well. That's right. So Williams backs up the account. So you have two people who were on the call who say, I heard President Zelensky use the name Burisma. Both of you uh, recall President Zelensky in that conversation raising the issue or mentioning Burisma, do you not? That's correct. Correct. And yet the word Burisma appears nowhere in the call record that's been released to the public. Is that right? That's right. Correct. That is important in Vindman's view because it suggests that going into the call and the way that it was said and the time it was said in the conversation, that President Zelensky already understood that Burisma was on the agenda. Uh, And so it would suggest, as he said, that he may have been prepared for the fact that this would be something that Trump and he would be discussing. I think that is suggestive, and there's been quite a lot of reporting around this in recent days, um, supports this idea that the Ukrainians understood there was pressure on them to investigate Burisma, not corruption in general. And that's a very important distinction because the White House's defense of this call and the Republicans on the committee's defense of it has been Donald Trump is worried about corruption writ large. The counter argument to that is no, Donald Trump is interested in investigating Burisma, just this company, and whether there was a problem between uh, with them having Joe Biden's son on the board. And Vindman would seem to back up that latter interpretation that Trump was interested in Burisma and not in corruption throughout Ukraine. So these were some of the issues that were raised by Democrats who were doing the questioning. But then when it turned to Republicans, we saw something that was kind of interesting because at least when it came to the testimony that we heard last week, it felt like Republicans were very leery of of trying to offend the witnesses or trying to make them look look bad that they were on on that they were by and large like pretty respectful of the career diplomats that we saw testifying last week. But today, they really went in on Vindman and started to question whether he was a reliable witness. Yes, they questioned first whether he was a reliable witness, uh, and then they questioned, frankly, whether he was a loyal American. I'm an American. I came here when I was a toddler, and I immediately dismissed these offers, did not entertain them. There was a line of questioning that went to a conversation that Vindman had with the then national security advisor of Ukraine, who he says in a way that he took as sort of a joke or not very serious, offered Vindman a job as the defense minister of Ukraine. Initially, did you leave the door open? Was there a reason that he had to come back and ask a a second and third time or was he just trying to convince you? Uh, Counsel, you know what? It's the whole notion is is rather comical that um, I was being asked to consider whether I'd want to be the Minister of Defense. Uh, I did not leave the door open at all. Okay. But uh, it, it is pretty funny for a Lieutenant Colonel of the United States Army, which really is not that, not that senior, to be offered that um, illustrious a position. 
as and he says in the context of it, it didn't seem serious and even says, look, I'm a lieutenant colonel. That's a pretty low position. It'd be kind of unrealistic to think they'd offer me such a job. But nevertheless, I reported that up the chain of command, documented it as this interaction with a foreign government official. He did everything by the book. And Republican lawmakers were seeming to seize on this to sort of say, are you sure? I mean, did you really, did you take it seriously? Did you think about it? And this is something we've seen coming up in previous criticism, you know, of, of Vindman, who came to the United States from the Soviet Union as a toddler with his family and raising the question of whether he, in fact, has some kind of dual loyalty. Now, it's a legitimate question to say, did you properly report an offer of a job from a foreign government? But that's really not the line of attack that Republicans were taking here. This prompted a lot of Democrats to then come forward and note um, that he is a decorated combat veteran who has been wounded in battle and his, in his obviously currently uh, in, in the military, you could tell by his uniform. This room this morning, the three minutes that were spent asking you about the offer made to make you the Minister of Defense, that may have come cloaked in a Brooks Brothers suit and in parliamentary language, but that was designed exclusively to give the right-wing media an opening to question your loyalties. And I, I, I want people to understand what that was all about. When the indefensibility of your case requires that you attack a man who is wearing a Springfield rifle on a field of blue above a purple heart, I, sir, thank you for your service and yield back the balance of my time. So it was a really fascinating exchange to see the Republicans essentially trying to say, you know, can we trust not just what you say, but can we trust your commitment to the United States? And it was clear that Vindman was even starting to take offense at this. At one point, Representative Devin Nunes called him Mr. Vindman, and Vindman interrupted him and reminded him, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Mr. Vindman, you testified in your deposition that you did not know the whistleblower. Uh, Ranking member, it's uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, please. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. That's right. He did. And that was in a very tense moment. And another interesting moment as well in which uh, Devin Nunes was – questioning Lieutenant Colonel Vindman on who he told about this phone call uh, and he's how who outside the White House specifically and Vindman said he talked to George Kent who of course we saw testify last week he's that senior State Department official who has Ukraine in his portfolio and then he said another individual in the intelligence community who like Kent had security clearances and the need to know the information this is the- are you aware that this is the Intelligence Committee that's conducting an impeachment hearing? Of course I am. Wouldn't the appropriate place for you to come to to testify would be the Intelligence Committee about someone within the intelligence community? Ranking member, per the advice of my counsel and the instructions from the chairman, I've been advised not to provide any specifics on who I have spoken to with inside the intelligence community. What I can offer is that these were properly cleared individuals or was a properly cleared individual with a need to know. Nunes started zeroing in on who is that person. Uh, Vindman clearly didn't want to say, which then prompted Adam Schiff, the chairman, to jump in and say... If I could interject here, we don't want to use these proceedings. It's our time, Mr. Chair. But we need to protect the whistleblower. Um, If... Please stop... I want to make sure that uh, there's no effort to out the whistleblower uh, through the use of these proceedings. Um, If the witness has a good faith belief that this may reveal the identity of the whistleblower, uh, that is not the purpose that we are here for, and I want to advise uh, the witness accordingly. 
And so I think that you got the clear sense that Chairman Nunes believed that there was um, there was something significant about the identity of this indiv- individual in the intelligence community who Vindman said that he told about that July 25th phone call. And there was this kind of moment where, you know, it seemed almost as if, you know, I think the Republicans were trying to use this moment of somehow trying to identify the whistleblower, but more specifically to get Vindman to do it for them. You are recognized again, Mr. Jordan. Mr. Chairman, I don't see how this is outing the whistleblower. The, the witness has testified in his deposition that he doesn't know who the whistleblower is. You have said, even though no one believes you, you have said you don't know who the whistleblower is. So how is this outing the whistleblower to, to, to find out who this individual is? Jordan, uh, this is your time for questioning. You can use it any way you like, but what? your question should be addressed to the and witness. I'd like to... And your question should not be addressed to trying to out the whistleblower. Well, okay, okay. So what is the takeaway from today? Like, how much does this testimony change your understanding of what transpired and whether that could be an impeachable offense? What I saw in this really was the the increasing partisan tension around these hearings. I mean, when you have Republican members of Congress, you know, questioning the patriotism of someone sitting before them in a uniform, that's a pretty remarkable event. That doesn't happen very often. And you could really see the way that the partisan lines are just being drawn here even more starkly um, to the point where even firsthand witnesses, when the Republicans have been saying we have no firsthand witnesses, well, you have two of them right here, um, even their credibility and other aspects of their character are being questioned. I think what this shows you is that, and we kind of knew this, but in case you doubted it, this is going to be even a bigger partisan fight than we've even seen now. The, the nature of this as a spectacle uh, and I think as a partisan brawl um, is clear, and those tensions and those stakes are only going to go up. Shane Harris, thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. 